0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and turn with me to the book of James. The book of James, and uh, I want you to turn to chapter 4. And, uh, you know, I, I can't help but think, and maybe it's just that I've been sensitive to this as I've been kind of studying and putting this together. But this really seemed to me, as I was sitting there today, and even in Sunday school, listening to Brother Wolven in Sunday school and in the main service... Uh, that This feels like an extension of his service, of his message. And um, so much so that I, I one time this morning I leaned over to Spring and was like, I, I can't believe he just said that. that. That is, I have to go home and retool this. I have to rework this right now because I don't want to come across as it, it being just copied from what he's just said. But I just think that's the way that the Lord works. Uh, this is something that I've been working on for a little bit. In fact, I've been studying through the book of Matthew, and I saw there was some reference stuff that caused me to jump over and start reading through James, and this is kind of the result of that. So, uh, again, I thought it was interesting that uh, Brother Dan uh, would take the approach that he took today and mention some of the things that he mentioned, uh, because I do think that there's a lot of similarities, and I see somewhat of a... uh, you know, just an extension of that. So let's look at James chapter 4. I want to read, starting in verse 1, we'll read down through a few verses. The Bible says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your own lust that they war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to, unto the humble." Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And this is going to be the verse that I want us to focus on tonight is verse 8. It says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity we have to join together uh, freely and uh, to worship you, Lord. We do thank you for who you are and the love that you demonstrated toward us on the cross, Lord. I just pray that as we look at your word tonight, I pray that we would uh, listen with open hearts and open minds and that we would receive the truth of your word, Lord. I just pray that uh, you would be a pastor as he is out speaking today, and uh, Lord, just pray that uh, your word would not return void, and we'll ask all these things in your name, amen. I know this is going to, it seems like uh, maybe an unusual type of Sunday night service, but Again, it's, it's, I think, what the Lord has laid on my heart. I think it just blended so well with what Brother Wolvin said today that uh, I, I just, I do. I think it's what, what God would have for us. But, uh, you know, James, the book of James is, is kind of interesting. You know, James was one of the leaders of the early church of Jerusalem. In fact, in Galatians two nine, Paul calls James one of the pillars of the church. So he, we see that he was a leader in that church. And he was writing mainly to Jewish Christians, and uh, that was his audience. And I, and I don't know if this was intentional or not. I mean, I guess I can't even say that. You know, God weaves all of this together, right? But, uh, you know, when I look at, kind of take a 500-foot view of the book of James, what it looks like to me is, it, it, to me, it just it seems like the Old Testament book of Proverbs dressed in New Testament clothing. That's kind of what I see when I look at it and when I read it. And the reason for that is is that it it seems to have a very consistent focus uh, on the practical actions in the life of a believer. You know, which to me, again, is very reminiscent of the book of Proverbs, right? So, uh, I love, too, how it's framed. You know, it's framed in such a way that uh, it's meant to be an encouragement to believers but uh, and it, 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 the way that it does that is that it encourages God's people to, to act like God's people. You know, we're supposed to act like we're, we belong to him, right? And the book of James is filled with a lot of direct commands to pursue a life of holiness. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is that James doesn't make excuses for those who aren't doing just that. For those who don't measure up, he's not making any excuses for them. So, you know, probably more so than any other book in the New Testament, James places the spotlight uh, on the necessity for the believer to act in accordance with their faith. And again, I just, I find that very interesting, the way that he kind of frames all of this, and we know that it's inspired by God, so these are all good things. You know, again, because of that consistent focus on the practical action, uh, found here in James, we, we could just kind of bounce around and focus on some of those individual actions, some of those individual, you know, there, there are some great one-liners. You know, we quote one-liners from movies all the time, don't we, Nathaniel? We do it all the time. But, you, you know, there are some great one-liners in the book of James. I mean, it covers a multitude of different topics. But, you know, it, it just seems like that, uh, when, when we look here, we, we, we can just kind of study some of these different points. We could just, like I said, spend the evening just bouncing around from one point to the next. But I really want to draw our attention to, to one thing, one phrase, one thought, if you will. And that is simply this. Draw nigh. Draw nigh, which we just seen in, in verse number eight. That's the thing that I want us to focus on tonight you know if i can uh, i just ask a question i suppose but have you ever experienced a time in your christian life where you felt like you were you were distant from god you know i mean let, let me let me kind of ask you another way you know do you ever remember a time when your your appetite for spiritual things was insatiable like like you couldn't get enough You know, like you had such a high priority on things like prayer and Bible reading and attendance and, you know, those sorts of things. And has it ever been at a point greater or have we ever felt closer than where we are right now to God? Well, you know, if you are, I can tell you this, you're not alone. And I mean that both literally and figuratively. I, I, I can tell you in all honesty, just being perfectly transparent, I've been there. I've been there, and I've felt that way. But, you know, rather than, uh, you know, just, I I guess, in the true spirit of the book of James, rather than making an excuse uh, or or excusing any of that, I I think that what we ought to do is just kind of try to look at the truth of what the Bible says about this. And uh, so hopefully we can take the necessary steps to get back closer to God. You know, it seems like a lot of times, you know, we... we, uh, We kind of fool ourselves or we get into this mode or whatever. I mean, we might still attend church, you know, we sing, we listen to the sermon, we drop money in the offering plate, uh, all of those things, which they're all good. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is we just do it as if it's some sort of rote behavior until the next service, right? Sometimes that's just the the attitude that we take on. Sometimes that's just the, the place that we find ourselves in life and again i'm telling you if you found yourself there you're not alone but again you know we're not going to make any excuses for that we want to look at and and try to take in the truth and see what those what steps might be necessary for us to take to get back closer to god so you know the bible uses that term to draw nigh and that's what we ought to do that ought to be our focus uh so in if if we think that uh or I think that we all understand this, but if if we look around and we see distance between us and God, you know, I think I think you understand. I'm I'm not trying to be condescending in what I'm saying here, but I think you understand. It's not God that drifted away from you, right? Uh, you know, I have uh, I have been in some pretty violent storms. I mean, I've been in tropical storms, I've been in hurricanes and things like that, but you know. Not one time have I ever seen a firm foundation blown out from under a house and the house itself kind of remained unmoved. I've I've never seen that. And I I think we understand that the house does not anchor the foundation. It's the foundation that anchors the house. And that's really the case with us. It's the case with us uh, and God you know when we lose that foundation when we get away from that it it is so easy to just continue on and you know i think brother dan did such a good job with this today i wanted to kind of continue or kind of capitalize this and uh you know i want chad to kind of reprise his role from this morning so chad will you come on up here please <laughs> now i know what you're thinking i'm not going to ask him to catch me i'm not going to fall for one thing, I was just poking fun at him earlier, and he might let me drop. There's a pretty good chance. You heard it, right? So in this case, so this morning Chad played the role of God's grace, and we saw wow, is he solid? Wow. But anyway, you know, he might catch me, but no. So we saw we saw that, that demonstration this morning, right? And we saw Brother Wolven actually kind of fall back. And just I gotta tell you, just a I was hoping Chad would let him slip just a little, but, but I know he would not do that, right? So that, that's, that's that fire chief in him and all that. So, so in this case though, we're going to have Chad not just be God's grace. We're going to have him, we're going to give him an upgrade. You got a promotion today. Right now, you're God. Okay. So here's what we got. So we've got God, right? And, and we're leaning on him. This is where God wants us. How you doing? Doing all right? Yeah, good, good. We're, we're leaning on him. I'm not going to fall on him because, you know. But anyway, we're leaning on him. And then what was Brother Dan's uh, this morning? What did he say? You know, it's like now we, we've, we're we we're not leaning on him. I'm no longer leaning on God. I'm standing next to him. I, I know he's there, but I've got this. I've got it, right? But then the next thing you know, we allow things into our lives, we, whether that's pride uh, strife, envyings, all of those things. And every time we do that, notice God hasn't moved. But every time we allow that stuff in our lives, pride, strife, envy, what's happening? God's drifting from me, isn't he? No, no, I'm the one taking the steps. I'm the one taking the steps. So I'm the one that's drifting from God. He's right here. He's he's wanting me. He's He really wants me to lean on him. But I can't do that if I'm constantly drifting away from him and allowing these things into my life. Thanks, Chad. You can sit down. But you see what I'm saying? I, I think Dan did such a good job of that this morning. You know, in reading in reading the book of James, we see several issues being addressed there in the church of Jerusalem. I'm talking about things like there was a dependence on the tradition of the law. Uh, people who were uh, uh, hearers of the word and but not doers of the word. We've seen faith without works or actions. You know, there was partiality towards the rich. Bitterness, envy, strife, pride, double-mindedness, submission issues, and even unfaithfulness to God. All of which can put distance between us and God. All of those steps that I took away from Chad... That's all of those things that were listed here in the book of James, all of the things that James was addressing. It was the church at Jerusalem with every one of those taking one step further away from God. That's not what God wants for us. That's not where He wants us to be. And, you know, again, I I mean, we, we need to understand it is not God that's drifting, it's definitely us. And, you know, the interesting thing that I noticed as I was reading through James and kind of summarizing some of those issues that James was addressing there in the book, I noticed that even though that we're separated by some 2,000 years, we, seemed, we tend to drift from God for the same basic reasons as the Church of Jerusalem did. And, you know, knowing that, I, I wanted us to focus on just a couple of the root causes. We listed a bunch of things, but I think there's some root causes uh, that, that cause us to drift. But ultimately what I want us to do is to kind of circle back and understand that there is a design plan, a way that allows us to come back to Him, right? So the first thing that I want to point out to you that causes us to drift from God is complacency. If you would, turn to the book of Deuteronomy with me. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Brother Jeff, I didn't think you were going to go all Old Testament on us here, but uh, yeah, yeah. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to start in verse 4. Follow along if you would. Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command, command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto the children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and upon thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto uh, thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly uh, cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, When thou shalt have eaten and be full, pay attention to verse 12, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Again, some similarities to some of the things that Brother Dan was talking about this morning in Sunday school and even in in our morning service, talking about that, that bondage uh you know and it's it 's really interesting because here in Deuteronomy we see a very stern warning against complacency you know it's, it's it's interesting that you know God warned his people all the way back then, so we saw that our we have similarities in today 's church age. We see that the similarities between us and the church at Jerusalem, but you know complacency is an issue that ga- that goes all the way back. Uh, in, into the book of Deuteronomy. We're talking Old Testament here. So uh, he warns against complacency and the result of complacency, which is forgetting God. You know, the passage lists specific blessings that would take place as a result of God fulfilling his promises. It, they give a whole list of things there. But in the end, notice that what Moses had to say. He said, beware. Once, you, once all of these things happen, beware lest thou forget the Lord. You know, make no mistake, what they're doing here is warning against complacency. It's a warning against complacency. You know, and you might say that the author even used excessive detail here in verses four through nine. We see excessive detail about, you know, writing it and putting it on your hand and Uh, as a frontlet between your eyes and all of that. uh, There was just excessive detail. And to help the people understand how important these words were. And, you know, he didn't want them to forget who it was that blessed them and who provided for them and who had delivered them from bondage. And, you know, I don't know how much you know about uh, the the Hebrew or the Jewish tradition, but they, they would do things, whether it was Scripture or other important things, they would take them and they would write these things out and they would use what was called phylacteries and they would bind them on their hand. So it could be like a little box. Now, you, you know, you've, you've all heard, you know, well, I, I'm going to tie a string around my finger so I don't forget. Now, it's kind of like, the same thing. If it was something that was so important that they didn't want to forget about it, what they would do is they would use these phylacteries and they would put it in such a way that, if, oh, I stretched out my hand. That phylactery, I need to remember that. I need to remember these things. They would even take them, you know, I'm like, a, you know, a, a unicorn and, and all of that, and they're putting these things on their head. You know, so you got this thing going on and it's right here, right? It was that important to them, that they every step they took, everything they reached for, it would bring to memory these things that were supposed to be important to them, important enough that they would remember everything they did every day, uh, just all the time. It was a constant reminder. And that's exactly what we see here that that Moses was talking about. It was that important to them. And, you know, sometimes in an attempt to kind of uh, justify our position, we might think, well, but you don't understand. God hasn't blessed me like he's blessed, uh, you know, this side of the room over here. He he hasn't blessed me like he did with all of these things here that that we're talking about. Really? Remind me again, who was it that redeemed you from your bondage of sin? It certainly wasn't you. It wasn't me. There's only one person, one being that could do that, and that was God. You know, understand that your redemption is the greatest blessing and the most expensive gift that you will ever receive for free. Don't ever forget that. Young people, don't ever forget that. You have been redeemed, and the price was so great. There is nothing that you could have done, nothing your parents could have done, nothing that Donald Trump could have done, nothing that anyone could have done. To pull that off other than God. Your redemption is the greatest blessing that you will ever receive. Don't ever forget it. Don't take it for granted. You know, here in Deuteronomy, the charge to the people was to ensure that God's maintained preeminence in their lives. Because if not, they would surely drift away from God. What what did he say? Beware lest you forget the Lord. We've got to be mindful of that. We've got to be careful about that. And, you know, I, it just begs the question, you know, have, have we lost, uh, you, you know, uh, I guess has God lost preeminence in our lives? Is there anything that we've allowed to uh, kind of supersede God in, in the area of preeminence in our lives? Tough question, right? Has, have we lost the wonder of who he is and what it is that he's done for us? I hope not, but if that's the case, then we've definitely drifted from God, and you know what we need to do is what the Bible tells us to do, and that is we need to draw nigh. That means we need to draw near to him. If Chad were back over here, and I'm standing over here after letting all of these things in my life, what I need to do? Do I need to keep going that way? Well, I guess eventually I could take the long way around, and I'll be right back there beside him, but what the best thing would do would be to draw nigh. To just continue to draw nigh back to God, draw near to him. That's what, that's what we ought to do. The second thing that causes us to drip from God is being double-minded. Go ahead and turn with me back to James, the book of James. And this time we're going to be looking in chapter 1. James chapter 1. And we're going to be looking at verse 5. Starting in verse 5. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven by the wind, and tossed. <clears throat> you know, it, it's just really interesting You know what, let's just keep reading here. It says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. This is important. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, again, in writing the book, James railed against a lot of different things, a lot of different issues that were present in the church. We covered a lot of those earlier. But one of the things that uh, one of the issues that the people had there, and, and again, it's one of those things that is just a root cause, like complacency. Let's not become complacent because it leads to us forgetting the Lord. It leads to us being drifted away from the Lord. But the next thing is this, this, this idea of being double-minded. Being double-minded. You know, this is one of the things that, that is so easy for us today it, to get caught up in the, this worldly culture is so appealing. And, you know, we said the same thing back in the 70s. It's so appealing. And then we said the same thing back in the 80s. It's so appealing. But you know what? It just seems like they, they made it. The devil is a master marketer. Can I get it? You, you agree with that? I mean, he will walk by your door a thousand times just to find it open once that's just the way that he operates he's so patient and just brilliant in the way that he does these things and and you know it it it's the culture today it, it just draws people in and it's so easy to get caught up in that but you know we we need to we need to make sure that we're not being double minded what we see here is that you know the people in the church at Jerusalem they wanted to be prominent members of the church when the doors were open but when they went out into the world they wanted to live like the world i mean if you read through and i would encourage you to do this it's just five chapters i would encourage you to read through the book of james and just kind of understand some of the things that were going on there and and how and, and the way that james was addressing it you know it, it it just seems like these people wanted to live like the world when they were in the world when they were in the church oh yeah kind of like we talked about earlier you know they they were they were there with the handshakes and the smiles dropping their dollar bill and the offering all of those things but Really what their, their desire was, that, that lust that they drew from internally and externalized was they really wanted to be like the world. They were double-minded. The Bible says here in this passage that we just read that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know, let's go ahead and look back at our main text in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 4, starting in verse 4. James chapter 4, verse 4, says this. It says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? You know, we have to, I, I want you to make sure that you understand When James is mentioning their fidelity, what he's talking about, he's speaking in a spiritual context. And what he's saying is that you're being unfaithful to God. You're being unfaithful to God. And, you know, the Bible says that they were a friend of the world. And as such, based on what we just read, they were a friend of the world. And as such, they were at enmity. They were enemies of God. You know, simply put, they were double-minded. Now, you know, the problem that I have with these kinds of actions, you know, someone who wants to be one way on Sunday, but the other way the remainder of the week, here's the problem I have with that. Matthew 5, verse 16 says, "...but let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven." How in the world, if you're living like the world, when you're out in the world, and you're acting like the world, how, how is someone supposed to see you? How, what kind of light are they going to see in you? And how is that going to be portrayed to them? And how is God going to be glorified through that? If that's the way that we're behaving, that just totally, you might as well just take a black magic marker or a Sharpie and just go right through Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Because that doesn't apply. And that's the way it was with these people here in the church of Jerusalem. You know, it, it just, it's amazing. You know, tragically, many Christians uh, today, they've set their affections on temporal things of this world. And you know, really what they've done? They've exchanged the great privilege uh, that we have to better know an extraordinary God for the ordinary. They, they've just totally given that over. They've 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 given up the opportunity to know an extraordinary God for the ordinary here that, that we find in this world. You know, it, it's it's just hard to to imagine. You know, I I you know, if we were God, I I just wonder, I, I wonder what He thinks about us when we do that, when we act like that, when it seems as though we we want nothing to do with Him. You know, according to Scripture. David had everything. So, you know, the world has this list of things. You know, you gotta be rich, you gotta be wealthy, you 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 gotta have fame and fortune and all of these things. And according to Scripture, David had all of those things that the world just pined after. They had he had everything. But listen, I want you I want you to listen to what David said, in Psalm 27, verse 4, this is what the Bible says. This is what David longed after. He had everything that the world could ever want, but this is what he, pine, he pined after. He says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Can I tell you what? Those are not the words, those are not the thoughts of a double-minded man. They're not. And that should be our thought, too. That should be our desire, is is to spend that time with God, Not, not figuring out ways to drift away or take steps away. David had all of those things that we work for and that we lust after, right? But what he wanted, he wanted to be near to God. We have such great examples in the Scripture. Now, was David perfect? No, we know that. We know that, but he mourned over his sin, and his desire was to be close to God. You know, it's it's uh, it's interesting. There's, it, it just. I'm not trying to say this. I, I, I'm not trying to say that we just we can't enjoy things in the world. I, I hope that's not the way that it's coming across. We, you know, that's, that's not it. You know, it's not like we can't enjoy or partake in hobbies or sports or all of those things. In fact, the Bible talks about in First Timothy six seventeen. the Bible says that God gives us richly all things to enjoy. However, however, if we are so drawn to those things, the things of this world, the temporal things, and we, we give them priority over God... My brother Dan said that today, that's idolatry. It's idolatry. And God can't have that. He said it this morning. God is a jealous God. And he's not going to put up with that. So we we really, uh, we, we, we just, we can't allow ourselves to become double-minded. We can't allow ourselves to become unstable. We can't allow ourselves to drift from God. So all of that, that's kind of the, Punching you square in the nose, but here's the flip. Here's the flip right here. God clearly doesn't want us to become complacent in our Christian lives, right? He he absolutely does not want us to become double-minded and focused on the earthly, temporal things. God's desire is for all of us to have a personal relationship with God. With him, he wants to have a personal relationship with you. And guess what? It's that personal relationship that will keep you conformed to his will. That's that's really what it's all about. If The closer we stay to God, well, guess what? I mean, the better my relationship is with God, I'm going to have less tendency to drift from him. Or I'm not going to get very far before I realize, whoa, 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 back over here you know what, we need to stay conformed to his will, and that relationship is exactly, exactly what will do that for us. And, you know, it it seems like we, uh, I I guess if we look back at our main text, I want you to do that, go back to, you're in James chapter 4, let's look at verse 8. Verse 8, if we look back at that text, James gives us a very, very simple imperative, and if we're willing to get this, if we're willing to submit to it, that's the key, if we're willing to submit to it. So in other words, don't be just hearers, be doers. God promises to respond accordingly. So verse 8 says this, it says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your heart, ye double-minded. And I ask you a question? Have you ever been around someone that just irritated you? Wait, don't say Stacy. No. No. Have you ever been really have you ever been around someone that just irritated you? Could be a coworker, could be anybody. Right? Could be could be family. I don't know. Mike? <coughs> no. It, it had, I know I have. You know, I and I I can tell you this that I was on a uh a return flight, I don't remember where I was. I remember where I was coming home. Yeah, I know that much. I don't know where I was coming from, but anyway, I I was boarding the plane and I was so fortunate enough to sit by this man who who seemed nice enough, but he kept talking the whole time. Now, you know that's not a bad thing. You was being nice, right? Right. But you, know, when I take these trips. I was, was some. We were talking today. I think with Jeffrey and Josh Spicer, we were just talking about just weird hours. And when I take these trips, sometimes there's a lot of time. I'm getting up at three. I'm leaving by four. I'm flying. I'm on a plane. I'm flying out at six. I'm working all day. I'll fly back. I will land in Dayton at eleven. Get home at twelve. We're talking about twenty hour days. I'm not a spring chicken, okay? And <laughs> And I'm telling you, it was it was late. I was tired. I was I was ready for that flight to be over, and it, unfortunately for me, this guy just it, he 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 just wouldn't stop talking, right? And I mean, within ten minutes of us leaving the ground, this guy starts to tell me that he has these psychic abilities. Yeah. I said, oh, this is going to be good. No, no. Uh, He's telling me he has these psychic abilities and even has the ability to read minds, which I have to tell you, I, I knew that was a complete lie. Because after 20 minutes of this conversation, this guy had no idea that I was completely uninterested in his conversation. A true psychic, a true mind reader would have picked that up. And I'm telling you, like I said, I was just tired, ready to get home. And this guy just, it felt like that flight was moving at the speed of spilled peanut butter. Yeah, think about that. Think about that. So, you know, and and I know somebody here is like, well, if you were spiritual, you would have witnessed to him. Well, I did tell him, I said, well, you know, I'm a Christian, I don't believe in that. And and thankfully, what that did is it created this little two-minute lull in the conversation. And I am not proud of this. I am not proud of this. But what I did was I gave an Oscar-worthy performance of actually falling asleep within that two-minute period. And I'm telling you, I continued performing... The entire duration of the flight, which was about two hours, and I was not asleep. I knew he was right there, but I knew if I opened one eye, it was game on. And I'm telling you, I, I just like I—I didn't know what to do. It was either pretend that I was asleep, Ty, or I was going to have to hijack the plane. I wasn't really going to do that. If you're listening, no. I mean, I, it was. It, it was horrible, right? I mean, I was trapped. I was, I, I, was, I was with this guy. I was stuck with this guy. There was really nothing I could do about it. <laughs> Just endure it or pretend you're asleep. Feel free to use that, by the way. It, it, it's great. So, but, you know, as silly as that story sounds, I, I'm so glad that God doesn't behave the way that I behaved ...on that plane. I'm so glad that he doesn't act that way toward us. I mean, we irritate him. We, we, we take him for granted. Uh, you know, we, 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 we just treat him so badly. And how does he respond to us? You know, after all of the times we ignore him... ...after all of the things we've done to irritate him... ...how does he respond to us? Every time that we submit... Every time we submit to him, he responds. Look at that verse there again. The Bible says, draw nigh to God and he could draw nigh to you. Is that what it says? No, no. Hold on. Uh, draw nigh to God and he might draw nigh to you. That's not what it says, is it? The Bible says, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. He will. Do me a favor, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll close this up. Wade offered me a bonus to uh, get through this as quickly as possible. So, uh, actually, he needs to get to Chipotle is what he said. So, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, and uh, let's look at verse 22, if you would. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Bible says this, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, that's cleansed, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised it. Church, let's just be sure uh, that we are holding fast in our faith. You know, let's not allow ourselves to be drawn away from from God. Why? Because He is faithful that promise. You know, if you've heard me speak or teach or anywhere in the church before, you may have heard me use this before. But you know, it's been said that the value of a promise is only as good as the character of the one who's making that promise. And you know what? I am so glad I'm a pretty good person. I'm way better than my brother Mike, way better. It's not even close, right, Kaylin? Right. So listen, I kind of feel like I'm a pretty good person, but I am so glad that God's promises are not based on my character. I'm so glad they are not based on Ty's character. He might even be a little bit better than me. Eh but I'm so glad. It's not based on our character. It's based on his character. And you know what? That is a promise that you can take to the bank. So, you know, just like Moses made a charge to the people there in Deuteronomy to not forget the Lord. Here's my charge to you. You know, he's waiting for us. Will you draw nigh to him? Will you draw near to him? You know, there's nothing, when we were doing that demonstration and Chad was all the way over here, I could have been on the other side of the room. And you know what? Chad, being God, there is nothing that he would have done to prevent me from coming back and resting on him and leaning on him. He's that willing. There's no, the sins, the things that we've mentioned If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's always there. He's always waiting with open arms for us to draw nigh to him, to draw near to him. But the question is, Will we submit to it? Will we submit to him? Will we do it? Are we willing to give up all of the things that have caused that division and that drifting away from him? Are we willing to put aside the bitterness, the envy, the strife, the fighting, whatever it is, relying on our, our traditions or whatnot? Just let's just do what the Bible says. Let's let's put let, let's let's put some action to our words. Let's be doers, not just hearers only, and let's make sure that we're drawing nigh to God. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity we have, Lord, to uh, just examine the truth that we see in your word. Lord, and I pray that as we, uh, as we go home and, and as we meditate, as we hopefully uh, do what we need to do to draw near to you,